next month we will be kicking off Numanity, and um, we're going to be going through my father in the ministry's new resource called Kingdom Man. And so, and, amen, amen, amen. Um, one of the things that I want you to do is this is not just, I don't just want it to be haphazard um, as we embark on these new um, developments for our men um, because um, I really want us to really dig in deep and take seriously the need to become biblical men. And so um, next month we're going to be kicking it off. The registration's out there. You're going to have to pay for it because the resources cost. And so whether you're a non-Christian, you're a believer, um, you're not a member, a member, it doesn't matter. Come on, register. Um, we want you to register, and it's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal six months as we go through uh, Kingdom Man. Um, after that, uh, we'll be going through Manhood Restored, my curriculum and book that's for sale now on Amazon. And Amen. Amen. And um, Barnes and Noble. So keep that lifted as that'll be released May 1st. And I'm re really, really excited. It's on sale everywhere. So that's coming out. Then next year, we're going to be doing the 33 series. And so it's, we're really going to dig deep in discipling men. Uh, you see 3130, we, we exalt what God is doing through 3130 and, and through, amen, amen. And so through both, yeah, give God a hand, praise. okay, okay. And so, um, so, so what we need to do is I, I really want, you know, from a visionary standpoint, I'm doing State of the Church next week, but from a standpoint, I, I really feel I, I, us really needing to take 3130 and humanity more seriously as a church. Um, there, there, is a, uh, there is a gap. And this is not just for you to get married. This is because you're ch God's child and you need to be conformed to his image. Um, and um, 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 and it, it just needs to be just because. And so, and so, and so, and so we, we need to dig deeper in, in, in the formation of discipleship of the church. That means us taking life groups a lot more seriously. Um, but life groups, uh, we want to do some specialty things because it can't facilitate men's and women's ministry. And because we're where we are, we have to do men's and women's ministry. It is a must. And so, and so, we, uh, and so we, we want structured out ministry for men and women to be discipled. And so, women, you need to get to 3130. You need to get there. Every last one of our women. I don't want to hear another complaint about your lack of being conformed to the image of Christ if you're not taking the means of grace that God has set up for you to be discipled. Stop complaining and get your butt to where you need to be, and I said it, to get discipled. Men too. I don't want to hear any more excuses. All of us got issues. All of us do. I do too. Let's get it. So it's time for us to roll up our sleeves like our master did before he came to earth and came to this backwater planet to save us. He didn't come here for us to sit on our hands and not take seriously what it means to be every single thing that he's created and died for us to be. So family of God, let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. And, I, and I'm very, very excited about that as an opportunity. Just, just a few um, preliminary things. I just want to praise God for our, um, our ministry to uh, our, our youth in the neighborhood. It was crazy yesterday. We're up to five teens. We had to shut it down. That's it. That's all we can take. And we got some new coaches that have taken over. Amen. Brother John has taken over as a coach. Christian's taken over as a coach. And I'm surprised you got the shortest team, but them some bad boys, man. Man, dude, like two feet tall, getting on big cats, seven feet tall, you know, going all like, like, dang, shorty a beast. I mean, it was nuts, you know. 
Um, he, he don't need to drive to the basket. He need to stay outside. You know what I'm saying? But it was, it was incredible. And just to see the opportunity of common ground, this is a common ground way um, that we're going to be building relationship with our neighborhood to earn the right to share Jesus with them. Um, the principal from uh, Kelly was there yesterday, and she just is so thankful for what the God of heaven is, is, is up to uh, in our partnership uh, with them. And so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm supposed to say something. Oh, last week. That's right. I just had a few preliminary things. I was at the Village Church, our partner church. They put me to work. I had like four services to do. They tried to do me, give me to do five out of the 21 services that they have, literally. And um, then they beamed me into the other ones to make me look like I was on stage and everything. It was a little weird. But, um, but it, was a, it was a really, really great time. And, you know, when I'm out, I hate being out from y'all. I just want to let you know that I, I really, literally don't like being away from Epiphany Fellowship. Um, but when I am, it's for a very good reason. And um, the, the reason why I was there is because that church over the last six years has invested over $400,000 into this church. Um, amen. Amen. And so, um, and so we want to, that, that partnership is very important uh, to my heart, the, the other pastor's hearts, and hopefully um, your hearts. And so keep their ministry lifted up in prayer uh, um, 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 as well. And so next month I'll be with Epiphany Camden. That, that I, I got to go just for one Sunday with them. They're celebrating their uh, first year anniversary. <laughs> Amen. And so got to do my, that's my son, I got to do it. I got to do that. And then... Um, one of my best friends in the world, the next month, just to let you know, I'm not trying to be out a lot, but on Sunday, it's, I'm ready that I'm out, but when I'm out, you just know it's for either I'm on vacation or doing something that I deem important to the grand scheme of the kingdom, and I'll be um, with Blake Wilson and Crossover Bible Fellowship in Houston, Texas. They're celebrating six years of ministry. They just moved into a 66,000-square-foot facility, and, it, and it's, it's, it's off the Richter scale. Uh, um, and they got three buildings, youth facilities, it's nuts, what the Lord did. And so I got to go down there with them, love on them, and celebrate that time. And the reason why, they're the ones who pay for the chairs you're sitting in. So, so again, um, it's important that we connect with partners. This fall, um, the reason why we were able to get a lot of support from Acts 29 was because of the leadership of Mark Driscoll. And so this fall, I'll have to go to Mars Hill and preach uh, at Mars Hill, and he's calling up the Best Of series. So he's taking six weeks off and asked six of us who he trusts to come in and preach and shepherd his congregation that Sunday. So when I'm out, I'm out for a good, good reason, but just know that when I'm gone, I hate being gone, but it's a necessary good. I won't say necessary evil. A necessary, a necessary good to be able to see people shepherded. Um, last but not least, I, I just have a heart, and I just want us to zoom in on the fact that, that, that I have a heart as your pastor for every last one of you to be conformed to Christ's image. And everything that we do is rigged for that. For every single person, from the finances to the pastors on staff, everything is to rig to have you look like Jesus. And so every, that's, that's, that's at, the, at the end of the day, that's the bottom line of why Epiphany Fellowship exists. Anything that's not that, we, we call it fat and have to shave it off. All right? So I wanted to say that. Last but not least, someone left their phone on the uh, playground. So come get it. All right. That's it. Let's stand. Pray. Uh, turn over to Psalm 130. Psalm 130. Uh, today. 
we're going to go through. I didn't, get, I didn't even get through the whole thing in the first gathering, so they're going to have to catch the rest on podcast because we are going to get through all of this today. We have to. So I'm a, I may have to do an old school Epiphany Fellowship hour sermon. All right? Y'all remember, it used to be like an hour. Anybody who's here for over three years, I used to go an hour. And you know what I'm saying, in Jesus' name. So today, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? We may go three or something. I don't know. I'm joking. Um, Psalm 130. Psalm 130. Um, I feel the Spirit of God. Psalm 130. Let's, let's dive in. I'll start reading. You finish. Um, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Keep going. Yes. Amen. 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 I want to I want to um, talk about for a little while today how to find hope in difficult situations, um, how to find hope in difficult situations. Father, we honor you and thank you for <clears throat> how you are in everything that you are for us and for your own glory. Lord God, as we dive into the text, chop it up a little bit, and begin to be shaped by the nutrients of heaven, God, will you, will you help us to grab more tightly a hold of you? Lord God, for someone that's here, they're on their last step. Lord God, will you snatch them back from the brink today? Will you rebuke the devourer and the devil for their good? And God, will you provide strength where there's weakness Will you give them the grace to strengthen their hands, strengthen their arms, and strengthen their legs to just walk on just a little bit longer? But for the person to say, I'm good right now, let them know, God, that their time is coming too, and that they're going to need this in their pocket uh, to help them through the way seasons are shaped in this world. So, Lord God, I can't do this on my own. You know I need all of heaven's help. Uh, because without you, I am just a motivational speaker, but without, with you, I am a gospel preacher. And so, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of your heart, my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust, in Jesus' mighty name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen, amen, amen. 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 Before I begin, I want to shout out my Temple basketball players real quick. And, and uh, 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 Daniel, where y'all at, man? That's what's up, man. I just want to shout y'all out. Glad y'all won that game the other day, boy. Y'all, y'all clutched it. I saw y'all on TV. Good job, man. Great, great, great job. Want to support them. We starting to try to do a chaplaincy with their team. Uh, Brother Tommy's going to be leading that great time with their team uh, to help God do some work on the team and see what the Lord does with that. Amen, somebody. Amen, amen. amen. Just last minute, I had to forget. I got to slide that in. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so today we're in really my favorite group of psalms. Um, my, uh, my, my, um, at, at the church, I was pastoring at a 130-year-old church 12 years ago, and they loved the 100s, the, the, you know, the, the one, the upper 100s, you know what I'm saying? 
You know, the upper ones. You know, praise them in the sanctuary. Praise them with the harp. Pray, you start saying that, then they'd be standing up like this, be done tackled you. You know what I'm saying? But, 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 but really, my joints are the ones, that, those, those, those gully ones in the middle. And the gully ones is called uh, the, the, the Psalms of Ascent or the Pilgrim Psalms. And they, they were written because every believer of all times was going to see darkness. And there was always going to be a dark time and dark seasons that believers went through. And so God superintended by the power of the Holy Spirit that the Psalms of Ascent get written in order to encourage believers in the midst of the inevitability of difficulty. How many of you know that difficulty is inevitable? Uh, but, 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 But what they're trying to do is they're trying to uh, uh, nurture us by God's spirit into a place of hope. So from Psalm 121 to about Psalm 131, Psalm 135 is uh, some of the short Psalms that, 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 that have a staccato nature of presenting a, a view of biblical hope to us. And, and we come to this Psalm and, and it's a phenomenal Psalm because they were used um, when, when the people of God were pilgrim, uh, taking their pilgrimage back to Jerusalem or they were used during their Shabbat worship times as ways to help people who were dealing with difficulty, people who were weighed down uh, by different situations to, to, to re-see, if you will, the living God all over again. And so I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where it's been so dark, where it's been so eclipsed, that you needed something to help reinvigorate you towards hope, towards God's hermeneutic for helping you to see him clearly again. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you theologically knew that God was good, theologically knew that God loved you, theologically knew that God had grace, theologically knew that God had mercy, theologically knew a whole bunch of good stuff about God, but when it came down to it, your disposition in realizing and allowing the reality of your theology to get into the heart of practicality was placing you in a difficult place. How many of you have ever been somewhere so dark that you didn't want to talk to God? How many of you have ever been in something so dark that you didn't want to pray? How many of you have ever been in something so dark that you didn't want to get in the Word? How many of you have been in so, in so much darkness that you didn't want to be to go to life group or any type of biblical community or any type of fellowship activity because everything that had anything to do with God did nothing but set you further off because of the fact that God allowed you to be in that dark situation? I know I'm by myself, but if you've ever been in a situation of difficulty where you was like, God, I am sick and tired of you being God with all that power, with all that strength, with all that omniscience, with all that omnipotence, with all them omnis that you are, all them ologies that you are, and you seem to not see what's going on in my life. I don't know if I have anybody that's ever been there before. But, but in my life, I've, I've been somewhere. I, I got a lot of theological knowledge from school. Um, but, 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 it's, but, but theological exposure doesn't lead to theological exemplification. Wish I had some help right there. And so, and, and so, and so, and so the psalmist is in a place where they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You ain't never been there. But the psalmist has been there, and I've been there. Me and my wife have been there. Amen, baby. Amen. And so, and so we, we've been sick and tired before of being sick and tired. And so the psalmist vents under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And this venting process takes them from spiritual apathy 
to spiritual application. And so we come here to our first point. If you're going to find hope in a difficult situation, number one, you must desperately call on God. You must desperately, desperately call on God. Look at the psalmist. The psalmist says, out of the depths I cry to you. Stop right there. (laughs) This is interesting because the psalmist is writing a psalm of ascent. But they're in the depths. In other words, the, the psalmist is saying, God, I'm at my last of the lastest of the last place. That's what it means in the Hebrew. It means the lastest of the lastest of the lastest of the lastest place that I can be. In other words, I am at the bottom. Now, what's interesting, though, is this is called a psalm of ascent. Now, psalm of ascent means to look up. It not, only means to, it not only means to look up, but it means to journey or pilgrim upward. Now, they're in the depths, but they're saying, I cry. See, you got to get to the point when you're walking with the Lord where you take off all the pleasantries. Uh, you, take off, you, take, you take off all of, you know, all of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the, who hung the curtains of eternity, God who spoke into nothing and something came into existence. Stars got slashed and waters got brought into existence. Rocks came out of the ground. And listen, that's all good. But sometimes you got to get past the pleasantries of all of your expository communication and cry. <laughs> see, see, see. See, see, you got, see, when you get tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired, you, you, you say, God, I, I, I don't know all. The, see, that's what's good about somebody that ain't that theological because they don't have all of the things that make them a professional religious person. Oh, my goodness. See, when, 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 when you don't have no professional religion in you, you kind of ruddy with yours and roughneckish with yours. You're like, hey, God, I ain't trying to be funny, but I'm hurting. I don't know if you ever been there before. I don't know if you. I mean, I I I, I don't know what the what the. I don't know. You holy? They be they still explaining that to me. Still trying to understand what that means. I'm just saying, Christ died for me. I got a relationship with you. You told me to talk to you. Here I am. You gotta cry out to God every now and then. See, some of y'all, the reason why you're still where you are is because you haven't opened your mouth before the King. He said, out of the depths. The depths is the best place to cry out to the Lord. Because in the midst of the depths, you can look up. Because the one who is over everything and sees everything can help you where you are. One of the most important things in your life that you must recognize is that God rigs your life to go down to the depths. Now, the fact that, and the reason why he rigs your life to go down to the depths is because he wants to see that if, well, he already knows, but he wants you to see that he knows that you don't know, that you only like him because of him blessing you. So what he'll do is he will uniquely rig and booby trap your life to strip you of everything you trust in. And he strips you down to bare minimum. And the reason why he strips you down to bare minimum is because he wants you to see how much you had in the way of you believing him, of you walking with him, of you loving him, and of you committing your life to him. And so some of you are pissed with God. 
right now. I said it. You are PO'd with the King of Kings because he refuses to rig your life on your terms. And what he's doing is he's pushing you and pressing you to the brink so that you can ascend versus continue to descend. But ascension is not on your terms. It's on his terms. So he says, out of the depths I cry out. I'm down real, real low, and I'm yelling. Now listen to what he says. He says, oh, Lord, hear my voice. Now, now, he's, now this is what's interesting. Theologically, we know that God hears everything. So there's no prayer that God doesn't hear. Um, but but the, the, the psalmist is not just asking for answered prayer here. That's not what the psalmist is asking for. It, that, that, that's included in this, but it's larger than that. <clears throat> the psalmist is saying, God, I need to know that you're listening. Now, what, what does that mean? Because Israel went through a lot of difficult things during its history. You saw that it went through the Egypt difficulties. You saw it went through, in numbers, it went through the wilderness wanderings. You saw um, at a certain point in 2 Kings, uh, uh, it went through uh, 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 the, the Assyrian captivity uh, after the split of Israel and Judah. Judah went through the Persian captivity as well as the Babylonian captivity. They've gone through a lot of difficult things where God would not allow, he wouldn't bring deliverance as fast as they wanted to. And so what they would do is heaven would seem to be silent. How many of you have ever sensed that heaven seems silent to you? The psalmist is saying, can you unsilence heaven? Now, he's not necessarily asking yet to be taken out of the difficulty. But, 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 but just saying, God, I just need to know and have a sense of renewal that you and I are still in a relationship with each other. See, when he said, he said, when he, when he said, because every now and then God will silent, he'll give you a silent treatment to see if you'll persevere to keep talking to him. Y'all don't believe me. Luke, in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 7, it says, it says, Jesus taught the disciples a parable so that they would learn to pray and not faint. And, and, and so, so Jesus said, because Jesus is a good disciple maker. See, 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 because, see, see, Jesus didn't disciple them based on a, 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 a philosophy of everything always being all right. He knew that heaven would be silent at times. As a matter of fact, when he got on the cross, heaven was silent towards him because in order for heaven to open up to us with a voice, it had to be silent towards him. So he died on the cross so that heaven would never be silent towards us ever again. And so, and so, and so, so he's, he knew what it was like for God to say, this is my beloved son at his baptism and whom I'm well pleased from heaven. And it sounded like thunder. He knew when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, it was up there with Peter, John, and James. But God just said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. But then he was also going to, so he knew what it's like for God to talk to him in his humanity. But on the cross, he said, Elohi, Elohi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? In other words, heaven's closed to him. And so he's used to it. He has felt and dealt with every infirmity that we've ever dealt with. Jesus came to show us what it looked like to cry out to God even when heaven is closed. I got to keep moving. But I just want somebody that you're in a gutter circumstance. You're in a painful circumstance and you don't want to talk to him. I want to encourage you today. Heaven is still listening even though God isn't talking. And so he says, he says, he says, he says, he says, let your ears be attentive to my pleas for mercy. 
God doesn't have ears, but he's talking euphemistically again about him hearing. He said, let him be attentive <coughs> to his pleas for mercy. Now, I like the psalmist because the psalmist is real. The thing I like about the psalmist, <coughs> they don't be lying in the psalms. He says, please, for mercy. Please, for mercy guarantees three things is going on. One of three. <coughs> Number one, <coughs> sin has happened in our lives, and we're asking God not to give us all the consequences we deserve for our sin. So that's what he's saying for He said, God, I know, see, I know I messed up. And I know that sin leads to death. And I know all of the things that could happen to me if you allowed my sins to be counted against me. So he's pleading for mercy, saying, God, don't give me what I deserve. Okay. But then secondly, sometimes mercy is a plea because you're currently getting the consequences of your sin. And you're asking God to stop giving you what you currently deserve. Oh, my goodness. I ain't got no sinners in here that's been through something. See, you, you see, see, ain't nobody being real right now. All of y'all, you know. But listen, if, if you, listen, God, if he would, if you knew what was after you, if your sin wasn't forgiven through Christ, you would be pleading for mercy. See, that makes you holler. So when you holler, God, I know, listen, and some of y'all are fired up, burning like a mug in your soul, and God is saying to you, plead to me. Third, this is rare, third is rare, that we're going through something that has absolutely nothing to do with our sin, but we're still asking for mercy. Like, for instance, the blind guy in John, when the, when the disciples say, why is money blind? He's been blind from his birth. You know, was his mom's, was his dad? You know, what was it? Jesus said, I mean, that, that's a dumb theological principle because all of y'all are sinners except me. He says, you know, he says, but the reason why this is happening is for the glory of God. See, the problem with us is we can't see the glory of God beyond our darkness. When you plead for mercy, you're pushing and pleading to God by desperately calling out to him that in some way, shape, or form, will you let your glory, some of y'all don't know what glory is, I, I still try, every time I preach glory, I, I, I feel my homiletical skills waning because God's glory is so massive that preaching it, you really don't do justice. I love Piper, but he still doesn't do him justice. I love all kinds of people, but, but to preach well, the massivity of God's glory brings your preaching to an end. But if I could just talk about what it means for God to have glory, it means God showing off everything that he is on earth. So what in your life that you need mercy for that's holding back the ability for God's glory to be clearly seen through your life? You got to plead for mercy because when you plead for mercy, you sense the glorilessness in your life. You sense the impeding eclipse of not being able to see the massivity of the glories of God's attributes. And you're pleading for God to renew a sense of seeing your life in light of his glory. And then he says, he says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquity. <laughs> this is rugged right here. He, he, he said, if you would pull up, pull up the books on me, Lord, have mercy. Help us, God. If you, if you pulled out the accounting Rolodex on the accounts of all of my sins, can you, hold on, hold on. Hold on, can you think about, hold on, I'm talking about the stuff you thought that you didn't know that you did, that you know that you did, that you ignored, and the stuff that you did and thought that went together, all of those. 
Every last single solitary one of your sins, past, present, and future, we're not even talking about the fact that God can see all things actual and potential, and if you'd have made another decision, the sins and what it would have led to and all of those sins, only God knows, but I cram, like uh, MC Light says, to understand how I can, amen, get my head around all of my sins. And so, and so, and so the psalmist says, he said, he said, he said, Lord, he said, I know I don't deserve, that's what he's saying. He said, if, oh, Lord, should, should you mark iniquities, who could stand? He, he, said, he said, there is no one that can come before God with righteousness. <clears throat> On your best day, where you prayed, spent time with God, encouraged other Christians, listened to your favorite podcast. Did everything, was, went to work on time, did everything that seemed right in your eyes on that day, ate the right food, didn't overeat, didn't cuss nobody out, didn't, didn't flip somebody up that cut you off in the lane on Broad Street, uh, 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 um, uh, uh, punched the person in the face on the L who stepped on your brand spanking new pair of sneaks. Listen, on your best day where you was like, I'm killing it, I'm right, that was the worst day of your life because on your best day, your righteousness is as filthy rags. <laughs> the, the best day. He said, nobody can come before him and stand. Who can stand before him? Who in the world, in human history, is able to go before God and be blameless now unto him? Who is able? to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding gladness and joy to him. I wish I had help. To him, see, let me tell you something. Jesus Christ, heaven was silent. They said, Who could, who's worthy to unlock the scroll? Then the, the crowd parted. The crowd parted, then somebody walked through the middle. And heaven went silent and everybody looking past like Charlie Brown when he was walking to go get the Christmas tree. And when they went in the middle, he came out, he said, he said, he said, John was like, who's worthy? Who's worthy? The angel said, cool your Jess family. There's one who is worthy to open the scroll. Listen, Jesus Christ took on your iniquities in mind, past, present, and future. So that we would be able to stand. He took the fall so that we'd be able to stand. But what's beautiful about Jesus Christ is he wasn't guilty. But he took on your sins and mine, past, present, and future, as a guilty man on the cross. God takes his wrath and blows the fullness of eternal death in hell on Jesus on the cross. That's the gospel. And what happened is, is that every iniquity that he could have counted against me based on the HD definition Blu-ray player in heaven, Christ took all of the weight of my sin so that I would no longer have to do for eternity in a lake of fire what Jesus did in six hours. Now, when I go before God, I am able to stand. Why? Because I am seated at the right hand through Christ. Now I'm able to stand. That's who can stand. That's who you stand because of him. 
<laughs> you and I stand because of Christ and the psalmist goes forward and he says, I like this. <coughs> he said, but with you is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. That, that, I mean, who says that? Like where you are, like in the midst of all of your holiness, there is made available forgiveness. Now, we just saw this. Now, in their mind, that forgiveness would happen through the blood of bulls and goats, but it never took away sin. That's why Christ had to pay for sin. Now, when we sense forgiveness, this is what happens. Look at what the psalm says next. That you may be feared. That's nuts. It says, God, God is able to be feared because he has forgiven us. Now, th- this would seem weird. Why would you fear God? in the midst of being forgiven. Well, I'm glad you asked. What happens is, is in, in, in the Hebrew here, you don't see it here, but there's a sense in which there is a double entendre of sorts in the meaning of fear. Fear is two-sided here. Now, we usually run to the reverential form of fear here, but that's not, the, 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 that's not what's going on here. Here, it's terror. It means fear. It doesn't mean something else. It means terror for what you deserved. It means recognizing, see, 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 what happens sometimes is we don't allow in these difficult situations to recognize that even as difficult as it has gotten in our lives, God still hasn't given you what you deserve. Do, do, do you know your life will never, if you're in Christ, you will never get fully what you deserve? Somebody better hear me in this place. Listen. You, listen, you never in your life have ever got the full brunt of God's wrath for not a half of a sin that you've committed. Nobody. None of us. That's an encouragement in darkness because as dark as it has gotten, you've never experienced the darkness of being separated from God for eternity. Never. Never, never, never. You will never have to experience eternal separation from God. But then there's the reverential part of it, where when you see that he's forgiven you of your sin, it blows you away. And you stand in awe of the reality of who he is. See, when you know, when it's, see, see, when you know how bad you were, how good he is, it rocks you that he would deal with you. But, 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 but this is why, because many of us have a skewed view of how messed up we are. And we also have a skewed view of how good God is. When you bring those two together and you say, how in the world did this get together? Jesus. He bridges the gap and he saturates himself to forgive us, pleasing God's standard, puts us in relationship with God, then we're able to look at God in awe and says, I'm a wretch undone, and where I am, how in the world are you even in a relationship with me? How does that encourage a person in a hopeless situation? Because you can recognize that no matter how low you've gotten, God is still there. Christ's death is the reason why God is still there for you, even when you don't sense it. I got to move. I got to move. The next, bring me to my next point, point number two. Oh, Lord. Yeah, all of this. I got to pass that. Next, number two, 
you're going to find hope, hope in a difficult situation, load up on the promises of God. You, you got to learn how to load up. Listen, I'm telling you right now, I used to think the people that used to talk about the promises of God were spooky and weird. I believe your promises, God. You said I was the, you know, I used to be making, but when you go through something where the promises that you've been telling yourself ain't really been working, then God's promises might be all right. You know what I'm saying? So look at what it says. He says, I'll wait for the Lord. I like that. He says, I'll wait for the Lord. Uh, this idea of waiting, I'm going to wait till I get to my soul waits. But look at how many times he said it. He says, he says, I wait for the Lord. This is how you know he's struggling like a mug. Then he says, my soul waits for the Lord. Then he says, and in his word I hope, my soul waits for the Lord. Listen to the repetition. That means when somebody uses repetition like that, that means they're struggling with waiting. It means they're struggling. They say, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you, God. I, I, I am going to wait. Wait, wait, wait. Wait is a beautiful idea, which means in its essence to be patient. It, it means to be patient when you don't see what's going on. Wait means to walk with God on what you know now, even though he hasn't given you more information. Wait. Wait. Now, he says, now, 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 this is interesting. He says, my soul waits. Now, I'm going to come back to that. But he says, and in his word, I hope. This means promises. So why, why would you wait on his word? Because his word has promises. Now, what, now, why does he hope in the word? Well, what is hope? Hope is a visionary picture of a preferred future that is provided by God through Christ. That's hope. Hope is a visionary future that is, that is granted through Jesus Christ. So now, when you get in a dark situation, the first thing to go is hope. No, 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 not hope. But, but actually, being able to see the picture as clearly as you normally could, that usually goes away. And so what happens is, is as it gets dark, as it gets dark, you need some light in that darkness. Now, you can't motivate yourself into it. You can't do enough push-ups or curls to motivate some light to come in there. The only thing in your life that can help you in the midst of that hopelessness is the promises of God. Now, the promises of God cast vision for future, but it also lets you know what's available to you even though God hasn't taken you out of the current circumstance that you're in. That's what the promises of God do. See, in, in, in hoping in the word of God. So, so, so hope casts vision in your heart when darkness covers your life. Hope resurrects in us a picture of God's preferences that are rooted in his biblical pictures. Hope. Hope is uh, determined that no matter how bad things get, God is bigger than what I'm going through. Hope. Hope decides to look God, look to God for strength to remain faithful in less ideal circumstances. Hope. Hope demolishes the lies of the enemy that he speaks to our soul because God hasn't yet brought his promises to pass. You need some promises that let you know that even though everything isn't all right, it's going to be all right. Hope, hope, you need, you need some promises to attach yourself to because your life will consistently be filled with things that eclipse your ability to see the way God wants things to be. Hope, hope. Zechariah says in, nine, in Zechariah 9, 12 that we're prisoners of hope. 
It, it, it means that we can't literally help but be pe- hopeful people. Why? Because three pillars of the faith is faith, hope, and love. And because those are pillars of the faith, we get to hope in God's visionary picture for a preferred future in our lives. So we got to believe the promises of God. When you feel lonely, you have to say to yourself, you have to say to yourself, you have to say, listen, sometimes there won't be anybody to say anything to you. Sometimes you got to say to yourself, you said in your word, God. That's how you start that thing off. You say, you said in your word, God, that you'd never leave me nor forsake me. When, 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 when your money gets real, real tight and, you, and, and you're doing everything that you know to do, you said, you said, you said, I was young, young, once young, but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You, you got to have some promises. When you start doubting your salvation and wondering whether or not you're saved, you say, for by grace are you saved through faith, not that of works. It is a gift of God that no man should boast. If you get tired of praying, you should, you, you should get in there and say, if my word abides in you and you abide in me, you will ask what you will and it will be given to you. But it has to be based on the word, not your personal will. So don't be disappointed when God doesn't bring to pass your personal hopes, but he only brings to pass his eternal hopes through Christ. Promises. You better get in God's word and grab. You say, oh, that's too charismatic. That's some old different stuff. You know that? What, what, how, who help, what's helping you now? Huh? What's helping you now? What's helping you? Oh, that, I, don't, I ain't going to do that. I ain't going to. Listen, and see, when you hope in God, you worship God for where you're not. Hoping, hoping God, you'll be in the service and the devil will be telling you, don't raise your hands. That's charismatic. Don't do none of that. You know, you do all of that. But, but, but see, hope says, God is good anyway. God, I, I'm going to keep lifting my hands. I'm going to push them up further. I don't feel like li- my hands are heavy, God, but you said strengthen your weak hands. That's what you said. And so, God, I'm, gonna, I'm going to give the sacrifice of praise because even though I'm not where I want to be, I'm not where I used to be. <laughs> Worship is hope in action. Oh, y'all ain't listening to me. Worship is hope in action. Worship is the determination that you're going to sow the seed of hope inside of your life because God promises that even though this outer issues, they decay day by day. But guess what? You can be renewed. You can be renewed on the inside. Ah. We better learn. We better learn. You better learn how to grab hold of the king. You better learn. You better learn how to, how to wait on his promises. He says, my soul waits. I like this. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. He's, he said, he, he, uh, when he says his soul waits, this is, this is rugged. Because he's not just saying, I'm just waiting. I'm just occupying space. He says, I'm waiting from the deepest part of my life. Listen, he's, the psalmist is saying there are areas of my life that I've stopped waiting for you on. I know ain't nobody been there. He said, but God, I'm opening the doors in my life of place doors that I've closed in my heart towards you. Because soul means the core and deepest place. Sometimes they say inner parts. 
right? And so what the psalmist is doing, it says, I'm opening up all of the doors of despair where I've gotten sick of you not coming through. See, none of y'all won't admit it. There's some areas in your life where you're sick of God not providing what he said. The psalmist is saying, I'm opening up all of them. Let's get them all open, God. I'm going to open all these doors. This is my soul. I am, I, I've decided to re-wait all over again. Some of us in here today need to re-wait again. I know I made up a word, but you need to, you need to, re, you need to be reinvigorated of the fact that God hasn't forgotten about you. See, the core of whether a person walks with God is whether or not you're going to open up everything to him. If, if you're not determined to ferociously allow the gospel to get everywhere, to get every, where you can talk gospel all day you want, but unless you open those doors in your life with a clutter of mess and past sin, all of that stuff, all of that are eclipsing mechanisms. But God has empowered you in Christ. That he's not, when he says, yea, I stand on the door and knock, he's not talking about the heart of the unbeliever. He's talking about the life of the Christian who has forgotten about him. Yea, though I stand at the door and knock, and if any man let me in, I will sup with him. He is waiting. Jesus is waiting to sup with you once again. He's waiting. He, I mean, he's eagerly waiting. This is not, you know, this is not that picturesque punk Jesus. Jesus, my homeboy type. I'm talking about the ferocious lion and lamb wants to come hang with you. There ain't no hope like that, that the God of heaven would come out of heaven's limousine and sit with you. Human stars, when you see them on the street, try to talk to them when they're walking past and can't barely get to them because they got so many people around them because they're humanly important. But God, who is eternally important, said, what, what, listen, listen, somebody was trying to get to Jesus. Y'all don't remember. But somebody was trying to get to Jesus, and, and the bodyguards, the disciples was like, hold on, you can't come in here. And Jesus said, hold on, pull him back, let him come. Why? Because Jesus is off on formalities. He breaks the normal, natural curve of things just to let you get to him. And listen, he's waiting for it. He's waiting for you right now to come to him. I got to move through this thing so I can get it finished. I got six minutes. Since my soul waits for the Lord, say more than watchman for the morning. Then he says it again, more than watchman for the morning. Now you got to understand what it's like to be a watchman. That's the graveyard shift. It's dark. They ain't have light like we got now. So dude be shook. He hears something. He like, oh, no. Then he, you know that, so they, you know, it's a little, because you're the only one up, everybody sleep. So you, you defense mechanism number one, right? You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> but, 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 but he says, the watchman is pushing towards morning. He said he's pushing towards morning because he knows that if he just waits till the light comes, which I had some help, that he'd be relieved of his duty. Oh my God. See, that's what he's saying. That's why he says it twice. He said, you've been on duty to wait on God. But one day, he's going to relieve you of your duty. Oh, my God. See, the promises of God fulfilled in your life 
is God taking you off your post so that he can get on post. Wish I had some help. But the light that comes isn't just the light of day, it's the bright morning star. And his name is Jesus. And he's going to come one day. And he's going to set up shop. And he's going to be the only one that fights. And he's going to fight the battle that we have been trying to fight because of a hellacious planet that we've been living on and that we messed up. But he's going to come. And he's going to relieve us of our duty. But until then, this is what the psalmist says. I'm, I'm not relieved of my duty yet. He goes and he says, oh, Israel. Just, just, just listen to this. I want you to salah this. Hope in the Lord. Just, just, just take that in. I'm closing. Hope in the Lord. One scripture says that he is our hope. But then he goes further. And I'm out of your way. He says, for with the Lord, there is steadfast love. Wow. And with him, plentiful redemption. Redemption means to purchase something from looking the way it looks. To totally transform it into looking the way God wants it to look. Then he says, and he will redeem Israel from all his sins. Listen, had a lot more to say, but I'm closing here. I, 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 I'm just letting you, you, you really need to recognize that where you are, God may never change it. I can promise you today, I can say, like some guy, God is about to bring you into a new season. He's about to tear things up for his glory in your life. Two days from now, you're going to get a check in the mail. Three days from now, you're going to get a house. Four days from now, you're going to get this. Next week, you're going to get that. In three months, God is going to come through in a way you've never seen God come through before. Six months from now. I can say all of that. And that's popular. But it's not real life. The real life is that God has provided timeless things to help you in different seasons. You know, my wife, I'm a, I'm, I, I'm, 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 I got a shopping issues, and my wife prays for me regularly about it. I, I, but one of the things I love, I like, I like tweed. And the reason why I like tweed, tweed is very, it's just quality, especially Harris tweed, is quality woven product. And, 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 and what's interesting is that whether you lived in the 1920s, the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s now. No matter, if somebody could put on a tweed coat, you'd be like, that's nice. <laughs> and the reason why tweed is so nice is because it lasts long and it transcends seasons. It not only transcends seasons, but it also transcends generations. In other words, no matter when you put it on, you're always going to look good. You're always going to feel good. And you're always going to be in style. Well, God has provided some things that are timeless for your life. And hope is one of those things that will never go out of style. The promises of God will never go out of style. The peace of God will never go out of style. The comfort of God will never go out of style. The gentleness of God will never go out of style. Humility will never go out of style. Love will never go out of style. Kindness will never go out of style. God's word will never go out of style. Prayer will never, ever, ever, ever go out of style. Patience will never go out of style. Long-suffering 
will never go out of style. Listen, I'm asking you right now to recognize that there is some timeless outfits that God has fitted for those who believe in him called the carpos of God. That's the fruit of the spirit. But above all those things that will never, ever go out of style is the cross of Christ. <laughs> Matter of fact, the cross won't go out of style and the blood won't go out of style. Because the, because the psalm says it flows to the highest of mountains. It goes to the deepest of valleys. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It goes from the highest of mountains to the lowest of valleys. The blood, the blood that gives me strength from day to day. It gives me strength on Sunday. It gives me strength on Monday. It gives me strength on Tuesday. It gives me strength on Thursday. It gives me strength when I'm old. It gives me strength when I'm young. Why? Because it never, never loses its power. God is the most stylish God in the universe that would see fit for you to be eternally fashionable no matter what you go through. And he's the one that sees the outfit and he puts you on the runway called planet Earth to be a fashion Easter to his glory. So I pray that in your difficulty that you would recognize that hope hasn't gone out of style. And I pray that wherever you are, whatever you're going through, that you would be fashion fit for eternity. Father, we bless you and honor you for the strength of the gospel, the timeless goodness of Jesus. Oh my God, thank you for Christ. <coughs> thank you for Christ. If I'm honest, God, I go through seasons up and down, but you always remain the same. Your, your loyal love, <laughs> your loyalty to your people is everlasting. And God, we, we lay ourselves on you, Father. And I lay before you those who need a hope boost today. There are people all around this building that have been waiting on you for all kinds of things. And they almost feel like you've forgotten about them in different places. And so God, I pray for them today. I, I pray for the person that has never met hope before in the form of Jesus Christ. 